my goodness, it's that time again. It's football season, and go Tigers. I got to throw that in there, LSU Tigers. And, uh, man, you talk about exciting. Doesn't this music just get your blood pumping? Well, guess what? I am Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you are listening to Love to Tailgate. I love to tailgate, and I have no idea what I'm going to call this this episode yet, but you're listening to something about tailgating. How about that? So I hope you enjoy it. Go Tigers! That's right, uh, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, and welcome. So glad that you're here, the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. And uh, we are going to talk about tailgating today. Tailgating is <laughs> it's a national phenomenon. And, uh, you know, there are people who actually go tailgating uh, before a football game that have no intention of going to the game. They, they don't care about the game. Uh, they just want to go out and have fun and eat good food and be with family and friends. And, hey, that's great, you know. So uh, we're going to talk about that today on the show. Uh, matter of fact, I'm not really too keen on the football game itself, but I love to tailgate here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Uh, before we jump into uh, our discussion of tailgating, I do want to go back to our discussion from last episode on confirmation. Uh, Mike had asked a question. Mike Lindner had asked a question last week that I attempted to answer. And, you know, at the end I realized, you know, I'm not really sure I answered his question. So I said, hey, uh, you know, Mike, if, if this wasn't sufficient, please let me know and I will do my best to, uh, to answer that question. Anyway, he did email me this past week and said that um, my answer was about confession in general, but he had a, a more specific question. So I'd like to address that right now just very, uh, very quickly. Uh, Basically, this is the situation. He has a son who is about to uh, make his confirmation. And uh, where they are, up up north, they make their confirmation around age 12, 13, somewhere up in there, which is where it was when I was growing up. I made my confirmation, I think at the age of uh, 13. I was in, uh, let's see, eighth grade, I believe. And, you know, I, I went to a Catholic school, so my confirmation preparation consisted basically of going to my regular religion classes, just the regular stuff I went to all year round anyway and had been going to since uh, the fifth grade. That's when I started Catholic schooling. And, you know, it's it, it, I can't say that I knew anything specific about confirmation before I was confirmed, other than the fact that I had to wear a red robe and the bishop was going to be there and they were going to put something on my head namely chrism, and that somehow or another I was getting something special. That's about the, the sum of what I, what I knew at the time. So was I like really prepared for the sacrament? No, I would say I, I really wasn't. But was the sacrament valid? Did I receive the sacrament? Absolutely, right? Absolutely, because the sacraments do not depend on our disposition. Thanks be to God. Uh, there are many times I go to Mass and I'm not paying attention or I can't pay attention or I'm worried about something else, have a hard time praying, and yet when I receive communion, it is still valid. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, when the priest goes there to celebrate Mass, as long as he's intending to do what the Church does when it celebrates the Eucharist, it's valid. So he could be worried about, I don't know, anything, something. His mind could be somewhere else. Matter of fact, he could be struggling with his faith. But as long as he intends to do what the church does when it confects or celebrates the Eucharist, then it's valid. So that's kind of where I was. I received the Holy Spirit. I received confirmation. But I had no idea what it was all about. That didn't happen for me until three years later, roughly three years later, at the age of 16. And I had a conversion experience of sorts. It was a a personal conversion experience where all of a sudden I realized that all this stuff that I believe or say that I believe about Jesus and God and the Bible and all of that, it was real. You know, it became very real to me. God 
really poured out some heavy-duty graces on me at the time and made me intensely aware of His presence, of His love, um, of the Holy Spirit in my heart, and of the reality of Jesus. So uh, 16 years old, at the age of 16, was a very important um, it was a very important uh, time for me. It, it changed my life. So anyway, that's where I come from. Now, as I mentioned last episode, I am a um, the director of the confirmation program in my parish. And so I'm in charge of like preparing all these kids, 90 to 100 kids every year, for the sacrament of confirmation. And it's tough because they don't want to be there. Nine, it's 90 kids. I'd say 90-something percent of those 90 kids they're there because it's either the next good step, it's the next thing they're supposed to do. And as students, you kind of get used to having to do what you're supposed to do, even though you don't feel like it. It's either that or it's the fact that mom and dad say you have to do it. So very few of them are there because they want to be there. Or if they want to be there, it's just a very um, a weak desire and really coming from a, a, a standpoint of, of ignorance, of really not knowing what this is all about. But they want it. It's, it's, it's the next thing. Uh, but they just don't have a really good understanding of it. So a lot of my work with the candidates is, is catechetical. I'm teaching them a lot. Uh, and it's also trying to give them an experience of the Holy Spirit, an experience of prayer, an experience of the church as a living thing and not just something that you do on Sundays. You know, you show up at Mass, which may or may not be boring, um, but to try to give them a, a real experience of what church is supposed to be like for them at that age. And speaking of age, one of the things that's very important to keep in mind about sacramental preparation is that the church only requires that the person receiving the sacrament has an open disposition to receive it, and that they understand what it is that they are getting into, <laughs> what it is that they are receiving, to a point that is appropriate to their age. So, for instance, a second grader is going to receive First Communion. Well, guess what? They only have to understand the Eucharist at the level of a second grader, right? A seven-year-old. They can't, we can't expect them to have this tremendous devotion that incorporates all the theology of St. Thomas Aquinas. It's just not possible. So they, only, they can only depend, or we can only have them or expect them to have an understanding of a seven-year-old. It's the same thing with a teenager. How many of you know teenagers that are just like incredibly responsible? I mean, there are some, I know some personally, that are incredibly responsible, that are uh, very intelligent, they do very well in school, they're purposeful, they know what they want, they study hard, they, they're uh, kind and generous and loving at home, uh, they, they work well with their family, they do what they're supposed to do. I mean, yes, they are extraordinary teenagers like that, but guess what? Most of them are like I was as a teenager. My dad used to tell me that as a teenager, I had styrofoam in my head. That's what I had for a brain. It was styrofoam. Nothing could get through it. And it was very light. It, did, it didn't do much, right? Um, so that, that's where a lot of teenagers are today. So how much should we expect from them as far as understanding goes in order to receive the sacrament? It's, it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. They have to have an elementary understanding of it. But we have to have enough faith in God that He knows what He's doing and that the, the sacrament is valid for them, even with a, a, a very modest, if that, understanding of what they're getting into. Uh, it's valid and that it will be operative in their life, even if it doesn't happen right away. You know, Father Harold Cohen, who was a Jesuit, he was down here in New Orleans for... Uh, for, for years and years and years. He was really big in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. And he used to give an analogy of receiving the Holy Spirit, whether it was in baptism or confirmation or, or whatever. He says, you can receive the sacrament and the Holy Spirit does come to you, but the Holy Spirit is kind of like chocolate syrup and a glass of milk. 
what happens when you if you want chocolate milk and you pour Hershey's chocolate syrup into a glass of milk, what's going to happen? It goes right down to the bottom. And it will sit there at the bottom until you do what? Until you stir it up. That's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come into us. And this is an analogy, okay? And, and it kind of sinks down to the bottom. And he doesn't become operative, doesn't really uh, become effective in our lives until we stir it up. And that's the same image we have. What, what does Paul tell Timothy? Stir into flame the gift that you received. Stir into flame. So yeah, it's there. Holy Spirit's there. But we have to have a part to play in this too. We have some responsibility. So when God calls to us and we respond to his inspiration, to his calling, and we take those little steps to maybe pray more or to go to Mass more often, to try to become a, a little bit more purposeful in our faith, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can just zap us. So And it becomes more operative in our lives. So that's really awesome. And I, I don't know if that's going to help at all, Mike. Uh, the the What I tell parents when I'm working with them here, because they complain all the time, you know, they, they either can't or they have a very difficult time getting their... Um, their children to Mass on Sunday. And these are kids who are in the confirmation program. And I preach to them constantly about the, their commitment to be in the program and to do what they're supposed to do, part of which is to live as a Catholic, which means you got to go to Mass every Sunday. So I tell them, you know, here's the bottom line. Nobody can be forced to receive a sacrament. Can't do it. You have to approach the sacraments of your own volition, right? Your own free will. And so, a parent has every right to demand that their children go to sacramental preparation. They can make them go to the classes because those kids eat their parents' food and live in their parents' home. They have every right to send them, to, to, to make them go to the classes. But in the end, they can't make the child receive the sacrament. So, what do you do? I would recommend some practical things. First of all, you know this. First of all, you've mentioned it in your email to me, is prayer. You pray for uh, your son or daughter. Uh, you be a model. You try to be the best model you can for your son or daughter. Show them what it's like to, to go to Mass reverently, devoutly, uh, to pray at home. Make sure you're praying at home. Pray, pray before meals. Pray in the morning. Pray at night. Don't be afraid to let them see you pray. Uh, also, uh, go to confession regularly. Bring them along, even if they don't want to go, even if they don't go. Bring them with you because they see you do it. And I think that's, um, you know, the power of a witness, a personal witness of your own actions, I think, is, is, is wonderful. And now here's the big one. And this is the one that's the hardest for most parents. And I can see it being hard for me. It's going to be hard for me, too. Um, love them no matter what um, and, and I know as a parent you know that right you, you love your children we all love our children but I mean love them in a practical way which means accepting them where they are right the, the awesome thing about God in the Catholic faith and in, in the Jewish faith right the in Judaism and Christianity the only two religions in the world that that have this concept this foundation is that it's at its at its foundation it is not our search for god that's at the heart of spirituality it's the fact that god searches for us god came to find us so what we have to do is trust and accept our sons and daughters where they are even though it's extremely difficult for us because we see what maybe mistakes that they're making or, or the ways that they're going wrong. But if we accept them where they are, the way that Jesus accepts us where we are, then there's an openness there. There's a, you, we keep the lines of communication open so that when it's time, when their heart starts to change, they can still come to us. So I think that's the most important thing. Uh, Mike mentions that there's a, uh, a period of time of about a year where they have no religious education uh, formally. 
and what should he do at that point? Uh, I don't know. I think it would vary from uh, from family to family. You know, it's it's perhaps just asking the 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 son. And in your case, it's a son. Um, to to go out maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks, go out and have something to eat, and specifically make the the conversation at the dinner table about the faith. Uh, there's some resources out there, excellent resources out there for teenagers on uh, living the Catholic faith, on prayer, on the Holy Spirit, on confirmation, all these good things. And perhaps that could be the basis of a conversation or maybe even a Bible study of sorts that is at the level of a teenager and they have some out there. And i tell you what I'll do is I'll put some links uh, on the, in the show notes with some of these resources, things that are available that could be used as really kind of like discussion starters. Even at home, over a meal, over dinner, it could be a discussion starter for the whole family. But it, it's catechetical in nature, and it's also evangelical because it's it's trying to reach those kids where they are. So, once again, Mike, I hope that these suggestions help. And if there's anything else that I can do, please let me know. Would you like some drinks, senor? While you wait, I will put it on the underheel's bit. Yes, very good. I'll have a Bloody Mary and a steak sandwich and a steak sandwich, please. Very good. You would like something to eat or drink, senor? Actually, I would. Charge it to the underheel, senor. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, do you have any caviar? Si, senor. Beluga. But it's $80 a portion. Well, I better just take two portions of that. Uh, House of Lobster Thermidor. I recommend it to you. Good, that'll be fine. Bring two bottles of uh, Dom Perignon to Cabana One. Very good, see ya. And put down $30 for yourself, huh? Muchas gracias, Nice place. What are you doing here? Uh, I ordered some lunch. You ordered it here? Well, I knew this is where my mouth would be. <laughs> You gotta love Fletch. That was uh, from the movie Fletch, and if you've never seen it, you're, well, living a deprived life. Uh, I love it, and uh, I want to talk about some new SQPN shows. As you know, uh, The Catholic Foodie is now affiliated with SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, and there are two other shows that have also been, uh, that, that are now affiliated as well, In Between Sundays and Among Women, and I'd like to play for you a couple of promos here. The first one is uh, from In Between Sundays. In the early days of the internet, there was a pioneering priest by the name of Father Roderick. His goal, to create a network of audio and video programs to fulfill the church's idea of the new evangelization, and SQPN was born. Through his humble beginnings, the network featured such shows as Catholic Insider, Rosary Army, and Saint Cast. Today, SQPN continues as it invites new podcasts around the world. Hey, this is Nick, and I'm Pat, and we're from InBetweenSundays.com, a new podcast for young adults, and on SQPN.com. And if you guys have ever wondered what SQPN stands for, it's pretty easy. Superbly quick-witted, Pat and Nick. So go ahead and check us out at www.InBetweenSundays.com or on SQPN.com. <laughs> that is just so awesome. Uh, Nick and Pat do an incredible job. Uh, they're so funny. I just can't uh, recommend enough that you listen to their show, In Between Sundays, and you can find them over at InBetweenSundays.com or now SQPN.com. They're also on iTunes. You can go to iTunes, just search for In Between Sundays, and you will find them there. And we also have another show that is now an affiliate of SQPN, and this is the Among Women podcast. Uh, this is uh, Pat Gone and her her podcast, and you talk about a voice. This <laughs> Pat is incredible. She's got such a voice uh, that I mean, it blows me away. It just blows me away. And uh, she has a wonderful uh, podcast for Catholic women, very uplifting, very inspirational, and yet at the same time very practical. I mean, this is a a a, a solid podcast. She's got some inc- uh it's just, it's like, what do you call it? Like steak and potatoes, right? It's, it's just good, it's meaty, it's important, and it's so necessary today for all of us. 
uh, especially Catholic women. So let's take a listen and see what she has to offer on Among Women podcast. Hi, Pat Gone here, and I'm pleased to be hosting a new podcast called Among Women. To find it, go to amongwomenpodcast.com. Among Women celebrates the beauty and grace that women experience in their Catholic faith and life. Each week, we'll reflect on the wisdom of Catholic women through the ages, and then we'll visit with contemporary women like you and me as we dare to respond to Christ and the call to holiness in daily life. These are the stories of women by women. It's faith sharing, teaching, and conversation to encourage your spiritual life. Amongwomenpodcast.com. Amongwomenpodcast.com. Look for us on iTunes. Well, I certainly hope that you uh, go over to sqpn.com and check out those podcasts and subscribe. Uh, also, you can find Pat's uh, podcast over at uh, amongwomenpodcast.com. So please go over there and uh, subscribe to this awesome podcast. Now, I will have a couple more podcast announcements to uh, make later in the show. So stick around for some more wonderful Catholic Podcasts. True love, you heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. <laughs> that movie is so awesome. That was from uh, Princess Bride, probably my, my favorite movie in the whole world. And uh, <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought after, uh, after listening to that. It's a, uh, a, great, a great scene there in the movie. Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you. There's some news. We've got some awesome news that I just can't... I, I, this is like beyond me. Can you imagine a priest, a Roman Catholic priest... On Food Network. Can you imagine that? Well, guess what? It is going to be a reality uh, in just a few days. Really, I think three days from now is going to be a reality. Father Leo Petalunghug is going to be on Food Network. And I think I mentioned this last episode, but Bobby Flay has issued a throwdown to Father Leo. And uh, they threw down, It was. it's been a while now, it was already recorded, uh, but they threw down I think it was over Fusion Fajitas, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that, though. And it will be on the Food Network this week on the 9th, September 9th, at 9 o'clock p.m., and I believe that's Eastern Time. So please don't forget, check it out, Food Network, September 9th, 9 p.m. Eastern. Wow, I can't wait to see this. Actually, you know what? I'm going to have to go around begging because we don't have cable. So I don't even get the Food Network. So I'm going to have to beg somebody, please record this so I can see it. And don't record it on a VHS because I don't have that either. I don't have VHS anymore. It's either DVD or something online. So, hey, matter of fact, if you are out there and you know how to do something where you can record it on the television, on the computer, let me know. I don't know if I'm breaking any laws here, but hey, let me know, because I need to see this show. I've got to see this show, and I have to figure out how to do it. Maybe I can go and hang out with some friends somewhere that night and have a couple of really nice beers and watch Father Leo beat the tar out of Bobby Flay. Maybe that's what I should do. I need to find a friend with Food Network for this week. So anyway, please check that out. I can't wait. It's just so exciting. Father Leo, Bobby Flay, Bobby Flay, watch out. All right, we're going to talk about tailgating for a while. Now, tailgating can be used in two different ways. You know, when you drive too close behind somebody, that's tailgating. You're, you're right up on top of them, and it's just not a good thing. It's dangerous. Uh, you can get a ticket for it. It's just not good. Um, you don't want to actually run into the person, you know, if they brake real hard and you've got to slam on your brakes and you run into them. Tailgating is not good. Well, at least that kind of tailgating is not good. But guess what kind is good? 
the kind that happens before a football game. We are now in football season. It has started. Matter of fact, LSU, the LSU Tigers, won last night. That's awesome. That is awesome. Now, I have to confess, though, there are many guys out there, many podcasters that talk about sports, and they are big sports people, and they know all the players' names and all the stats and everything else. Well, that's not me. I am not that much into sports. I enjoy them. I enjoy going to football games. I enjoy watching them on TV, not really because of the game itself, but because of everything that, that goes along with it, all the trappings of the game. That's what I like. I mean, it's interesting, and if it's a team you like and you want to root for them, that's wonderful, but it's not a matter of like life or death for me, and I know it is for a lot of people. So um, <laughs> it's kind of weird admitting that because, you know, some guys are out there saying, oh, what are you talking about, you know? Football's like awesome, and we should, you know, what do you mean you're not into football? Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm not. You know, I grew up as a child, as an infant, going to all the LSU football games and basketball games. My, my dad had season tickets for most of my life. He had season tickets, and I went to all of them. I grew up going to LSU football and basketball games. And matter of fact, that music I played in the very beginning of the show to open us up, that was the LSU pregame song. And I can't tell you what it does to me when I hear that. It's like being a kid again. And I, I, I get all excited. And it's, it's kind of weird how that music affects us that way. And uh, I just, I loved going to the games. And today, even watching them on TV, I love to watch them. But I don't really get into it like, you know, go Tigers, go Tigers. I mean, I love it. I love it when they win. But I'm just not so much into all of that. But what I love, what I love is all the, the trappings, right? And if you were actually at, if you were at an LSU game, <laughs> you're in for a treat. Because the, the big event isn't really the game itself. The big event is the tailgating that goes on beforehand, all the tailgate parties. You know, at LSU, they actually close down streets in the parking areas on Thursday night for a home game. And the game isn't played till Saturday. But they close it down Thursday night so all the campers, all the RVs, all these big vehicles can come in and find a place to park so they can tailgate Saturday. And people get out there early Saturday morning and they start cooking. And they cook and they have fun and they also drink. Uh, you know, but they just have tons of fun. Lots of friends, family, everybody out there enjoying the weather because down here in Louisiana, you know, it's still 70 degrees by the time Christmas comes around. But it's milder, at least, and hopefully not as humid, so they can enjoy their time with family and friends outside with all the excitement, music blaring from people's trucks because they had these huge speakers connected to their car stereos. Or they may have brought out another stereo that got that hooked up. I've seen people out there with flat-screen TVs set up under tents, and they have like a, I don't know if it's either a generator, I don't know how they get electricity out there, but they do somehow, and I'm just flabbergasted by all of this, but it is so much fun. I went to a game last um, uh, last fall with uh, some friends of mine, one was a priest from Tennessee, and another friend here in town, Robert Simpson, Robert's a great friend of mine, he's uh, also a teacher over at my school. He was actually in the monastery discerning monastic life when I was in the seminary. So that's where we actually met. And he was in there for a couple of years. And he also, um, he left. He's now married, has children. Uh, kind of like me. I left the seminary and I'm now married and have children. But uh, we live very close to each other. We still hang out all the time. Of course, I see him at school. And so he and I, along with this priest friend of ours who was in the seminary with us, uh, we all went to this LSU game last year. And um, it's funny because it was our, our priest friend from Tennessee, Father Michael Workhoven, he was the one who actually had the tickets. One of his parishioners gave him the tickets to the game and said, hey, look, my brother's going to be out there tailgating. This is where you can find him. He's always in this location, big RV. They have tons of food. I think this year they're going to have it catered. Go down there and tell him, hey, 
I, I said to go find him and that he would take care of y'all. And that's what happened. We got down there. We went walking around. We found him. And, uh, boy, they, they took care of us. Whatever we wanted to eat, whatever we wanted to drink, we hung out. We talked to them. We got to know them. I mean, it was just a, a fun, fun time. And then we had to go in the game. <laughs> and the game was great, but it wasn't as much fun. So um, the tailgating aspect, I mean, it's just it's amazing. You walk out there, and I can't tell you how many of my students I saw out of the game. Now, I teach in, in Covington, Louisiana, which is about an hour or so, hour and 15 probably from LSU, hour and 15 minutes away, and I saw, I don't know, double digits. That's how many students that I saw out there, my students. Uh, it's just LSU is like a, a religion almost out here. So anyway, I don't know if it's like that in your area of the country, but it's like that here. People bleed purple and gold. Uh, and of course, you got the saints as well. I'm not as familiar with the saints and with the uh, the tailgating rituals, but for LSU, oh my goodness. So anyway, I want to give you, if you're going to be tailgating this fall, I want to give you some hints, some tips, some recipes perhaps of things that you can do to make your tailgating experience uh, more better. <laughs> and Maria, I know you're out there. I know you're a teacher. I know you teach English. And I know that's not correct, but you know what I'm trying to say. I want you to take your tailgating experience and kick it up a notch. All right, so when we talk about tailgating, you know, the, the number one thing I could say, the absolute number one, is that right? Absolute? Absolutely. Either way, the number one thing I can recommend when it comes to tailgating is, it's a Boy Scout thing now, be prepared. Be prepared. Uh, you know, a lot of people go out, they tailgate, and they, they just have it catered. They, they pick up uh, trays of food to go from whether it's a, a grocery or some restaurant or whatever. They may have just sandwiches, finger sandwiches. Or I know uh, the family that we uh, went and saw last year at the LSU game, they had a, a local restaurant that was just down the street. They catered it, and they had like fried catfish and boudin balls. And if you don't know what about if you don't know about boudin, I don't I don't know if I can explain it right now. <laughs> boudin is something that's really really like South Louisiana, big time. Uh, but they had boudin, but it was like boudin balls that were deep fried. Oh, they were so good. They also had some sort of a oriental like egg roll or or. Um, a spring roll with uh, with the sauce, and they had chicken fingers and all this stuff. Of course, almost all of it was fried. They also had salad and everything else, but uh, they were really, really good, and it was all catered. It was fantastic. But yeah, people who go out, they tailgate, guess what they bring? They bring like their, their whole barbecue pit, right? The whole thing, whether it's a charcoal pit or a uh, one of those big gas grills or whatever it may be, a smoker. Oh, my goodness, they bring every you know, Anything, everything out there. They also, I've seen people bring out their propane tanks with their burners down here in South Louisiana. Those burners where you can put pots on top of there and fry catfish, hush puppies, shrimp, uh, french fries, uh, boudin balls. I mean, whatever you want, you can go ahead and do it right there. So um, people bring all kind of stuff out, and it's it's all good. But the, the, the trick is you got to be prepared. You know, one of the things I'd say is you got to prep all the ingredients at home before you get out there. Don't wait until you get there to get everything set up. As a matter of fact, if you're going to do hamburgers, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, if you're going to do hamburgers, make the patties at home. Get everything done at home and just transport them in an ice chest. If you're going to do steaks, which people do out there, uh, marinate them and transport them in little baggies, right? Plastic baggies. But do it at home. Get them all set up at home. Don't try to bring all that extra stuff out there and do it for, you know, there at the, um, uh, on site at the tailgating party. It's just too much work. You don't want to do that. Do it ahead of time. Same thing with chicken. You want to you want to do chicken, prep it, season it, marinate it at home, store in baggies, and bring it with you. Of course, you can't forget your ice chest, which I'll say a little bit more about later. All right, I want to talk about hamburgers for a second. You know, hamburgers, the traditional hamburger, hot dog, all that. You know, it's easy food to make and it's good and we are just so, uh, we're just so, I don't know, we love it, right? It's good stuff. It's American. We love it. But let me give you a couple of uh, twists 
on an old favorite. I'm going to give you a couple of ideas for preparing hamburgers in a different way. Uh, what about a Mediterranean burger or a Greek Lebanese burger? You can do something like that, right? Um, now, here's, here's the trick. It's a little bit different. You can use ground beef. Uh, if you use the ground chuck, you've got a little more fat in there, which uh, adds a little more flavor, actually. But if you're more health conscious, you don't want as much fat, uh, then go with the ground round. If you go with that, like, lean beef, that stuff is just so dry it's hard to chew. You know, but ground round is okay. It's good. We, that's actually what we use a lot because Char and I are, uh, what do you call it? We, it's a compromise. <laughs> it's a compromise. She wants the lean or extra lean beef. I want the ground chuck. So we go in the middle, we go with the ground round. Anyway, whatever kind of beef you want, use that. With this one, with the Greek Lebanese burger, the Mediterranean burger, you can also use lamb. You can use just lamb, ground lamb, or you can use a combo of, of, of ground lamb and ground beef, however you want to do it. Uh, what I would add to these Mediterranean burgers is I would roast some garlic at home, roast about a head of garlic, and I would throw that in there once it's all uh, nice and soft and just yummy. Throw it in there with the meat, uh, some pine nuts, roast some pine nuts uh, on, the, uh, on the stove just for a little while. Roasting pine nuts doesn't take long, and if you want a recipe for that, if you want to know how to do it, just email me and I'll let you know. Uh, but some pine nuts, throw those in there. Some chopped flat-leaf parsley, uh, kosher salt, freshly ground black pepper, and just a dash of cayenne. Not too much. It's a dash of cayenne, and also a little bit of olive oil. So you take all that, you mix it together with your hands, get it all nice and mixed together, which is so good. And then, instead of making patties, guess what you're going to do? You're going to take a metal skewer, if you have it. Now, you can still do this with patties, but uh, you take a metal skewer, and what you're going to want to do is you're going to want, you want to wrap the meat around the skewer, all the way around the skewer. And so when you go to grill these things, they're going to be grilled on a skewer. They're going to be grilled. It's going to be like a big, long corn dog almost on a metal skewer. And uh, and that's good. It's a good thing because I'm going to tell you what you're going to do with that. Okay, uh, You don't want to make it too fat. You want to make it kind of kind of skinny because it's going to have to fit inside of a pita. That's right. It's got to fit inside of a pita. So you grill those things, and you know you could grill them out there at the game. You grill those things. You're gonna slide them off of the skewers, and you're gonna chop or not chop them, but you're gonna cut them to where the the length at least will be about the it'll it'll fit inside of a pita that's wrapped. So um, you do the meat like that. Uh, you are also going to let's see what else. Uh, you got you want to heat the pita first of all. So you just throw it on the grill. Throw the pita right there on the grill uh, for a few seconds on one side or a few on the other, or maybe a little bit more than a few, but don't leave it on there too long because then it gets real hard and you can't, you can't fold it. So uh, you get that hot, pull it, put that meat down in there, and if you want, even before you put that meat there, take some hummus. And if you want some homemade hummus or a homemade hummus recipe, we can look, you know, check out catholicfoodie.com. I, I either, I can't remember if I put it up there already. I think I did, but if I haven't, I will put it up there for you. You just put a layer of that hummus on that pita, put the meat down on top of it, right there in the middle, almost like a little hot dog. Uh, then you're going to take some um, some chopped romaine lettuce, sprinkle that on there. Maybe some chopped fresh parsley and some diced red onion. And then some tzatziki sauce, right, tzatziki sauce. And I'm going to put a recipe on the website for that as well. Wrap that thing up. You can either just fold it or try to wrap it as best as you can. You know, I like on the bottom half of that, uh, that, that pita, I like to kind of fold it in a little bit to keep the, uh, the good, yummy, juicy juice from, uh, from, <laughs> from falling out, right? Keep it in there. And, oh, that is just so good. Oh, and I forgot one of the most important ingredients. Don't forget the feta cheese. Put feta cheese on top of that thing, too. Matter of fact, I'd put the feta on top even before you put the lettuce. Why? Because that feta is going to be on hot meat, which will help it to kind of soften up a bit. So that is a great idea for a Mediterranean burger, and I hope that you would try this and let me know how it is. 
Now I've got two other really quick ideas for you as far as hamburgers go. One is a beer burger. That's right. Beer is probably the most, number one, most consumed beverage at a tailgate party. Matter of fact, if you if you go out to LSU during a tailgate party, everywhere you look, you got people drinking beer. Now, that doesn't mean that they're drinking good beer. That's right. I said that doesn't mean that they're drinking good beer. Oftentimes, you see them drinking Budweiser, Miller Lite, Coors Light, all this stuff, which is, um, well, they're just not drinking good beer. So, this is what I propose for a beer burger. Uh, same thing. You got your meat, and what I would do is just add like a half a cup or so. I mean, you got to judge it on how much meat you've got there. Half a cup, maybe a little bit more, maybe half a uh, quarter cup to half a cup of ale, right? A good ale, like an amber or a bock, or maybe even if you could find a, a, a dark Hefeweizen, something like that. An India Pale Ale would be great. Something like that. Add that to the meat, along with your usual seasoning, like uh, salt, pepper, maybe some oregano, maybe a little bit of cayenne, something like that. Just throw something in there uh, that's good, that you like, as far as a... Um, uh, a seasoning for hamburger meat could also be um, an egg. Some people like to put egg in there. Some people like to put uh, breadcrumbs in there. Either whatever you want to put, that's great. But throw the beer in there too. Mix it up really, really well. Make your patties, and uh, you don't want to add too much beer because if you add too much beer, what's going to happen? Your meat's not going to stick together. It's not going to hold together. So don't do that. But uh, mix it up really well. And what you could do is stuff, just stick them in like a Ziploc bag, or I can't say Ziploc, can I? It's a brand name. In a, in, a, in a plastic baggie, and just throw them on ice, ice chest, and take them out to the game with you, know, the, the tailgate party, and you can grill them out there. Matter of fact, while you're doing that, why don't you chop up some onions, or rather than chop them up, make them into uh, slices, like rings almost. Make them into rings. And what you do is you stick them in a baggie. You can add a little salt and pepper if you like. But put some of that ale in there too. So it's going to be sitting in some ale. And then you bring them out. And what you'll do is when you're cooking the, the burgers on the grill, throw the onions on the grill too. If you have to because you don't want them to like slip through the, the, the grates, put a little metal dish or something that can go on the grill to heat the onions so that they kind of cook down. And you will put those onions on top of that beer burger, and you talk about good. It is so good. If you're going to use barbecue sauce, if you like barbecue sauce, you want to put that on the burger, hey, heat it up before you put it on the burger and throw some beer in there too. <laughs> this is great. This is great uh, beer burgers. And also, when you serve them, you can do it on a traditional bun if you like, but why not try a ciabatta roll? You can try a ciabatta roll. You could try a uh, an onion uh, roll, uh, something like that. That's a little bit different, adds a little extra something to the meal, and uh, you try that. It really does, as Emerald would say, kick it up a notch. Now, this next thing, I'm not going to spend any time really on this. I just want to share this with you. I got a text message yesterday from a good friend of mine, Adolfo Rodriguez, and Adolfo. <laughs> He text messaged me just to torture me. That's what he did. He wanted to torture me. What he did is he said he went to the farmer's market, and he was able to pick up some quail eggs, and he got 28 quail eggs for 5 bucks. And he says, I'm, I'm making hamburgers, and what I'm going to do is put some sunflower greens and fried quail egg on top of the burger, and on the bun on the bottom underneath the patty, He's going to make a cilantro jalapeno ranch dressing slash sauce, right? And put that on there. Whoa, you talk about good. You talk about good. So I was jealous. I was absolutely jealous. I felt hurt almost physically after he told me that. But uh, I'm sure they were great, and I would love to try those sometimes. So just a few ideas for you as you go out uh, to tailgate this fall. Oh, and you can't forget the good beer, right? We talked about good beer. Not only should you put beer in those, those beer burgers, but hey, why not bring some beer with you that is not your typical Bud Light, Miller Light, uh, Coors Light, 
stuff and bring some actually really good beer that pairs well with these burgers I talked about. Matter of fact, in general, ales are better with burgers than anything else because they're more robust. Robust. But what I would recommend is with that Mediterranean burger I told you about is a pale ale. It can be an India, India pale ale or an American pale ale. But here's a few India pale ales that I would recommend. Uh, Fuller's IPA, which is an English, is from England. Uh, St. Peter's, which is also from England. Abita Giacomo, which of course is right here in Abita Springs, Louisiana. The Abita Giacomo is an Indian, India pale ale. Sam Adams also has a pale ale. Sierra Nevada has a pale ale. And then Dale's pale ale, that comes by way of a good friend of ours. Of course, you know who this is. This is Captain Jeff. He recommends the India pale ale. So, um, I'm sorry, the Dale's Pale Ale. So you got to try those out. Sam Adams is available pretty much everywhere. Abita, I don't know if the Giacomo is available, but I know Abita has beer in probably 40 plus states right now. So you may be able to find that uh, at your local beer selling establishment. Uh, matter of fact, if you go into a, a nice establishment that sells beer, here we do it in, our, in, in the, the grocery store sells beer. I know in a lot of places, though, you have, what, is, what do they call those, um, uh, alcohol, beverage, something or other. It's a special place that sells alcohol. If you go there, if it's a good one, they're going to have some imported beer. They're going to have, you know, microbrewery beer. Get something good like that. It makes all the difference in the world when you talk about drinking a beer at a tailgate party. Brown ale, if you want a brown ale that goes really, really good with a, the beer burger, Sam Adams has one. Newcastle, which is an awesome, awesome beer. Newcastle Brown Ale. I love it. Uh, you got to give that one a try. There's also a Honey Brown Lager. And then they've got something called uh, Lining Kugels, if I'm saying that right. Lining Kugels Red, which is really more of an amber uh, beer, but uh, it'll still work here. And then actually I would also throw that in with the Adolfo Burger. If you had the Adolfo Burger, the Lining Kugels, uh, um, the Fat Tire, this comes recommended by uh, Nick Padley of In Between Sundays, Fat Tire Beer from New Belgium Brewery. He recommends any beer from them. And then, of course, the Beta Amber. So those are some beers you may want to check out for your next tailgating party. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of the can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. I forgot to mention that if you want something other than beer, perhaps a margarita or a daiquiri, Please, please make those ahead of time. Make them at home. And the good thing about this, if it's a big party, you can make them in like milk jugs or something like that. So you have enough for everybody. And uh, throw them in the freezer. Let them freeze, which, by the way, if you are going to throw them in the freezer, you need to make sure you leave enough space at the top of the jug for it to expand. Because it will expand. If not, it will completely destroy <laughs> the, the carton. Okay, so leave enough room. But freeze those. And then just bring them over with you to uh, to the tailgate party. You can stick them in the ice chest. You can leave them out so they kind of thaw a little bit. Uh, but that's a, a very easy way of bringing a cocktail that you don't have to worry about making this stuff on site. You just make it at home ahead of time. Good, good stuff. Now, as we begin to close this show, I said earlier that uh, I, I had a few more podcast uh, recommendations for you. And I've got two. The first one is, and I don't have a promo to play right now, but the first one is uh, Lisa Hendy's Catholic Moments podcast. Lisa is awesome. She is just, um, I can't say enough good about Lisa Hendy. So, uh, Lisa, if you're listening, I love you. I think you're fantastic. And I, I just, I, I, can't, I can't say enough good. I, I want to tell everybody I know about Catholic Moments podcast. It's phenomenal. You need to go check it out if you haven't done so already. She is by far the best interviewer I have ever encountered in my life. She's incredible. So please go check out Catholic Moments Podcast. I believe you could find that at catholicmom.com or catholicmomentspodcast.com. Also, 
She's over at sqpn.com. Now, one aspect or one element, uh, I guess you call it an element, of each of her shows, of the Catholic Moments podcast, is something called the Deacon Moment with Deacon Tom Fox. Deacon Tom, I've had the opportunity since the CNMC to kind of get to know him a little bit better. We've talked several times. He is incredible, and he's so inspiring to me personally, very inspiring. And I would recommend that you listen not only to the Catholic Moments, because he does have a Deacon Moment segment on that show, but Deacon Tom has now launched his own podcast called Catholic Vitamins. And I announced this a few weeks ago, but guess what? Today, November 6th, is the... I'm sorry, November. Goodness gracious. I'm jumping ahead. September 6th is the, the, the launch date, the launch date of Catholic Vitamins. So let's take a listen and find out a little bit more about what Catholic Vitamins is all about. Are you a runner? Do you work out at a gym? Are you trying to get in shape? Good for you. Keep it up. And speaking of good for you, did you know that there are special Catholic vitamins? No kidding, really. You know what they are? Do you know where to get them? This is no infomercial. It's about a new podcast with Deacon Tom Fox. We've already won. This is Deacon Tom Fox. Catholic vitamins are the keys to spiritual health. Catholic vitamins from the land of the Grand Canyon and the yucca plant from Arizona, where they say it's a dry heat. You'll love Deacon Tom's warm wisdom as he dispenses your dose of Catholic vitamins from A to Z. Look for Catholic vitamins on iTunes this September. Catholic vitamins. Who knew? (laughs) Catholicvitamins.com. Matter of fact, I just checked in iTunes, and guess what? His new episode for Vitamin A is up. It's out. So please go check out Deacon Tom's Catholic Vitamins. Now, another announcement I have to make, and I, I know I said something about this last uh, last episode, but i got to say it again. The Catholic Foodie now has merch. We've got merch. We've got merchandise. We've got all kind of good stuff. It's wonderful stuff. Our good friend, Captain Jeff, who I I talk about all the time. You know why? Because he's a good friend. That's why. Our good friend, Captain Jeff, has now produced some excellent, excellent merchandise for the Catholic Foodie. So you've got t-shirts. If you're on Ustream, you can see this right here, the Catholic Foodie t-shirt. We also have the Catholic Foodie um, apron, which I've got. Once again, if you're on Ustream, you can see it. I've got the Catholic Foodie apron right here. Uh, You know what? I I haven't used my apron yet because I don't want to get it dirty. I just don't want to mess it up. I like it so much. Maybe I'll wear it to school or something one day. I just don't want to get it dirty in the kitchen. I, I am horrible on aprons. I use them all the time. I've got several, and some of them are just like, indistinguishable it's just they 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 I, I ruin them so I don't want to ruin this one so I'm holding on to it until I have like two or three of them in my own possession that way I can ruin one and feel okay about it so uh oh I'm so excited too we don't have them online yet but coffee mugs are coming that's right coffee mugs are coming and I love coffee I drink my coffee every day and uh two two cups a day but they're really big cups right two big cups a day, but I'm down to two. <laughs> I'm down to two cups, but two big cups. Anyway, uh, I, I have coffee cups here at the house for us to drink at the house. I'm also going to have a coffee cup over there at my office, at, at school, rather, in my classroom, so that all my kids, all my students get to see me drinking my coffee daily out of a Catholic, Catholic foodie mug. And you know, I'm probably going to order also an SQPN mug. That way, I can also show off SQPN to my students as well. So if you haven't yet checked it out, go to sqpngear.com and all the way down on the left-hand side of the page, you've got a list of all these different podcasts. Way down at the bottom, which is appropriate since my last name is Young, way down at the bottom is the Catholic Foodie uh, link. Click on that. It'll take you to the Catholic Foodie page and you will see all the wonderful merchandise that is available. As a matter of fact, I'm going to announce, this is the first time I've talked about 
the SQPN store and the, the second time that I've mentioned at all that we've got merchandise, I'm going to announce a contest. That's right, a contest for a Catholic foodie apron or t-shirt. So a Catholic foodie apron or a t-shirt, and I'm doing this spur of the moment. I thought about this earlier. I thought it would be a good idea, but you know what? I had no idea what the contest would be about. <laughs> I had no idea at all. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to say... The contest will be about this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to involve voice feedback. How about that? It'll be voice feedback. And what I'm looking for is uh, tell me one of two things. You can leave me voice feedback at 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974. All right, that's the number. You leave a message there telling me one of two things. Tell me about what you do when you tailgate. What do you cook out there? What's it like? Is it fun? Family, friends? Who goes? What's it all about? Or, if you're not a tailgater on a regular basis, tell me something about how you experience faith and family, right? Food and, uh, how, how do I say this? Where food meets faith, right? Something in your life, the way that you experience that, that, that point where food meets faith in your life. I hope this is clear enough. <laughs> hope I'm making myself clear. This is like spur of the moment here, but uh, something about tailgating, how you experience it, whether it's with um, family, friends, what you cook, what you like, something like that since we're getting into football season, or... Tell me something about where food meets faith in your own life. And it's got to be voice feedback now because I love voice feedback and I want to play it on the show. So you got to call 985-635-4974 and leave me a message. And you could win a Catholic Foodie apron or a Catholic Foodie t-shirt. And you got to do that this week because next week, next show, next Sunday, I'm going to announce the winner. So good luck. I hope you are the winner. And uh, in the meantime, though, go check out sqpngear.com. Well, it's that time again, folks. I can't believe it already. It's that time. Uh, time to say goodbye. So I want, before we say goodbye, I do want to ask you once again, go to SQPN Connect. That's right. SQPNConnect.ning, N-I-N-G, dot com. And join, join the family, join the SQPN family. That's where we gather, that's where we talk, that's where we have lots of fun, lots of discussions, lots of good stuff goes on there. SQPN.ning.com. Does it? SQPNConnect.ning.com. That's right. And uh, there's a Catholic Foodie group over there, and uh, also my personal page is over there as well. And I'd love to friend you if you want to come over there and join and ask me to be your friend. I would be happy to do so. So please uh, check that out, and uh, I hope to hear from you over there on SQPN Connect soon. And if you have anything else that you would like to say to the Catholic foodie, anything that you think we should talk about here, something I'm forgetting, any mistakes I've made, <laughs> something you want to hear more about, anything, let us know. If you want to share with us how you experience food and faith in your own life, if you want to tell us uh, uh, what you're cooking now, what's going on in your kitchen, let me know. You can give me a call once again at 985-635-4974, or you can give me an email, shoot me an email over to catholicfoodie at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you. So please give me a call, send me an email, the Catholic Foodie at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And until next time, bon appetit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.